Amen. Let's take our Bibles again. Let's turn to the book of Genesis chapter number 12 for our text. Genesis chapter number 12. This morning I'd like to preach about the subject of tested faith or faith that is put to the test. But I want to read you something since we're on the subject. And God, God who is all wise and infinite in knowledge and His great sovereignty and providence, He has led us to preaching preaching from the book of Genesis, and I'm going to do it as long as he tells me to do it, because uh, I can't be uh, your servant and his servant at the same time, amen? So I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Um, but in Genesis chapter number 15, God is reminding Abraham of this land covenant, because remember, even last Sunday morning, we preached about that, that the Abrahamic covenant is in three parts, and one of those parts is a land covenant in Genesis chapter 12, 1. And what they're fighting over there is about, really, is about land. Right now, they're fighting about land. They're fighting about the West Bank, who has sovereignty, who, who has jurisdiction or sovereignty over that. Hamas is on the, is, uh, is, is a little bitty uh, area on the banks of the Mediterranean Sea. They're claiming that they have sovereignty there, and it's not Israel's land. But God promised, remember, a land covenant with Abraham. And he said, I'm going to give you this land. And what is this land? How much land are we talking about? Well, in Genesis chapter 15, a few weeks ago, I referenced it. And this is the land. This is the boundaries of the land that God gave Abraham. This is Israel. So when you think about Israel... God owns the land, amen? So we're not going by the map, we're going by what God says. And God who created the heavens and the earth, God owns the land, and this is, this is God says, here's your land, Abraham or Israel. Here's how big it is. So Genesis 15, verse number 18. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land. Who is Abraham's seed? It's Israel. Unto thy seed I've given you this land, and here's, here's the boundary. From the river of Egypt, that's the river Nile, from the river of Egypt under the great river, the river Euphrates. Now how much land is that? So you go all the way to Egypt to the river Nile, there, there's the western boundary. And if you go east, you're looking at a map, you go all the way to the Euphrates River, that's the eastern boundary. That, that takes you all the way from the river Nile to the Euphrates River. That's that takes you about half of Saudi Arabia, half of Iraq, goes up north across Iraq, Lebanon, all that's Israel's land, even parts of southern Turkey, and then all the way down the eastern bank or the western bank, if you're looking at the Mediterranean Sea on a map, all the way down the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. That's a lot of land. And God says, Abraham, this is your land. So you're going to hear on the news a lot, well, so-and-so's land, or this is land, or whose land, and what's Hamas's land, and Palestinian land. Israel is from the River Nile all the way to the Euphrates River. All the way half of Saudi Arabia, all the way up to southern Turkey. That's Israel's land. That's the land that God promised Abraham. And God's going to get it all back for him, for his people. Amen? And we support Israel. Amen? We're praying for Israel as a nation and as a people as a right to exist, as God's chosen people, and God is not finished with Israel, Jesus is going to come back and sit on the throne of his father David in Israel. Amen? 
the temple will be rebuilt, and the King of Kings will reign in glory. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter number 12. Keep it in mind. You better get ready. Amen. You better get ready. You know, the Bible says they're going to, the temple will be rebuilt. And on, on the holy mountain in, in Jerusalem, there is a there is a Islamic temple or mosque there building, the dome. And it would have to be removed. Some would say it wouldn't. I'm kind of mixed about it. But anyway, I know this. Even if you put if you put the temple right next to the to the uh, to the mosque, the dome mount in Israel, there will be a great conflict. So something has to happen. And we could be seeing the beginning of it now. But you keep your eyes up. You keep you watch for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Pay attention. It's stuff's going on. It always has been, and we should be aware of it. All right, Genesis chapter number twelve. Look at uh, verse nine through ten. Genesis chapter twelve, verses nine through ten. We're gonna we'll read the text first. The Bible says, verse nine. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south, and there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray, Jesus, you would help us, bless this sermon, bless this time that we've gathered together, help us be aware of what's going on in the world, and I pray, Lord, you would bring peace to Israel. We know you will. We pray in confident, confidence that you will. Bless those families, though, now who are suffering. We, we stand with them Lord, bless them. Help us as a church. Help us as a people to be faithful. There's never been a greater, more important reason to come to church. Never been a greater, more important reason to gather and to pray and to worship and to be preached to. We are living in the last days. And Lord, I pray that our faith will be proven to be genuine and real in these last days. That we will not drift away. But when days are dark, when times are hard, when Christianity is unpopular... Lord, I pray the true Christians, those who really know you, Lord, we're going to find out. We're going to find out more and more who they are. We're going to see, Lord, if their faith is real and genuine in you. We love you and praise you. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we ask these things. Amen. Abraham, as we know, was told to go into the land of Canaan, and he did. You'll notice, though, there was a famine in the land in verse number 10, and I mentioned it last Sunday morning. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. The problem with that action, I believe, is that God never told Abraham to go to Egypt. You'll notice that God told Abraham two times already to go to Canaan land. And it would seem that if God wanted Abraham to leave Canaan land, since he told him twice to go there, that God would have gave Abraham instruction to go there. But God didn't tell Abraham to go there. So I'm, I'm under the impression here, I'm under this opinion, that Abraham's faith is being tested here. I think this is a lapse in Abraham's faith. I, I think that Abraham shouldn't have went to Egypt. Because I, I find often in the New Testament, especially where Peter even told the Christians that he wrote his epistle to, he said, don't think it's strange, this fiery trial that you're going through. So Christians go through hardship and affliction. Christians go through tough times because of their faith. And one of the greatest evidences of your genuine faith in Jesus Christ is if that faith is tested. 
If you're dealing with the world and the devil is on you, and you're dealing with temptation and affliction for Jesus' sake, not because you played a football game and you got hurt, no, for Jesus' sake, it's a wonderful, wonderful assurance to you that you are fighting the good fight and you are in a battle and you are following Jesus against all odds. But every Christian has a lapse in faith. There isn't a person here this morning that has perfect faith. That's why Jesus said, if you got the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, it's the object of our faith that saves us. It's not our faith itself that saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's by grace you're saved, but it's through faith. Every one of us this morning has drifted sometimes or come short, haven't we? We've messed up along the way, haven't we? But how do you know if your faith is real? Though a righteous man would fall seven times, yea, he gets up again. And no matter, sometimes we drift and come short, we, draw, we, we backslide, but we quickly return to Jesus. I, sometimes our faith is, I, I've tried to express it like this before, it's like if you've got money in the 401k right now, you're, you're going down right now, if you noticed it. But over time, though we have dips and ups and downs, the trajectory is, is upward. And the Christian life is that way. We're, we're kind of horizontally, though. We're following Jesus, and sometimes we drift, but by the grace of God, we're still heading the right direction. And the closer you get to Jesus, the, the wiggle gets out of it more. Do you understand what I'm saying? The closer you grow in your Christian life, you wiggle less. And you become more straighter and your path becomes more clear. And you, you divert le- less from the left or to the right. Well, there's not a one of us here today that hasn't had a lapse in our faith. Abraham had a lapse in his faith here. Now, how do we know that Abraham really believed that he's supposed to go to Canaan land? And we're going to get to this next Sunday if it's the will of God. Because at the end of, at the end of chapter, at the beginning of chapter 13, we find that Abraham went back into Canaan land. So he drifted away a little bit, and then he went back. And his faith is tested. Now, the story after Abraham goes to Egypt is, unfortunately, he tells Pharaoh that Sarah is really his sister, and he gets all into trouble. Why is he in trouble? Why is he making compromises? Why is he, his life experiencing some negative hardships because of his decision to drift away? Because isn't it true, that's what happens when you as a Christian drift away from the will of God, isn't it? Life becomes that much more difficult. And you have to further compromise your faith. Until what? Until you get back right with Jesus. Until you get back in a right relationship with Him, your life will be compromised. Amen? And so Abraham is being tested, I believe. There's a famine in the land. He drifts away. He goes to Egypt. He ought not to have went. But thankfully, finally, Abraham did come back. And what does that mean by him coming back? It gives us some evidence that he really does believe God. He knows where he needs to be, and the evidence that he knows where he needs to be is that he gets back into Canaan land. And so his faith is proven to be genuine, though he, there was a lapse. But he's following God, and he returns back to where God wants him to be. Our Christian life is tested like that. So your Christian life... Is tested. Now, what is the test? Is your faith genuine? Now, the world's going to test you every day, isn't it? Every day, your Christian life is tested. Every moment you go to work, your Christian life is tested, isn't it? There's hardships and there's decisions that have to be made. You have to go the right way or the wrong way. And sometimes these things try us, don't they? Abraham's life is tested and your life is tested too. 
In what ways are, is your Christian life tested? Here's some ways. Will you pass the test and keep coming to church after you got baptized? We're going to see, aren't we? Did that person, are they really walking in newness of life? Will you pass the test at school or at work among friends? Or will your faith prove to be not genuine at all? What will happen when you're surrounded by peer pressure? Will you keep following Jesus when other people aren't? And if you're still following Jesus when other people don't, you can have assurance, can't you? You can say, my faith is genuine and it's real. That everybody's going this way and I'm still following Jesus this way. I know there's laps in that faith. Sometimes we wiggle a little bit, don't we? But is the direction of your life, is it following Jesus when other people aren't? Your life is tested that way. Your faith in Jesus Christ is tested. Abraham had a hardship. There was famine in Canaan land, wasn't there? And he had a decision to make. Would it be easier to go to Egypt or would it be harder to stay in the will of God? And if you're always taking the easy path, then the question must be asked, is my faith in Jesus real or am I only following Jesus when it's convenient? Am I only following Jesus when it's easy? Am I only following Christ when there's no consequences? Is my faith willing to stand the test of hardship and affliction? Is it real? Is it genuine? And that's the question that you and I need to answer in our lives. Is my faith testable? Is my faith able to stand against the afflictions of life? Is my faith real? Is my faith honest? Is my faith authentic? When everybody goes this way, do you still follow Jesus in the way? And if, praise God, if you can say, I'm still following Jesus by the grace of God, then you can have assurance that what? You really are believing on Jesus. You really are following Him in the way. Why? Because even when your faith is tested and when it's inconvenient and hard to follow Jesus, you are following Jesus. What does that mean? Then praise God. I mean praise Him. It means that He began a work in you. It's evidence that you're saved. Amen? It's evidence that you're a Christian. It's evidence that you really believe on Jesus Christ. It's evidence that you believe and trusted in Him in spite of the hardship that you face. You really did get saved. Amen? You really got born again. And if that's your experience, then you should worship Him and praise Him and thank Him. And you should be happy in Jesus and have joy in your soul because you're following Jesus when it's inconvenient, when it's hard, when it's rough, when you're laughed at, when people think less of you, and you're still following Jesus. What does it mean? Your faith is passing the test of the hardships of life. You're following Jesus against all odds. You are born again. You are trusting Jesus when others aren't. Amen? Is your faith tested? Will you pass the test in the midst of life's storms? There's a lot of people who start out among this way. They start out following Jesus, don't they? I was thinking this week when I was preparing my heart for this sermon about when I was a pastor at North Hills and one of our members' families, a family member of the church, had a heart attack. And I remember me and uh, I think it was Wesley Whidbey went to uh, visit him in the hospital. And we, we went into the ICU. 
And he had, you know, jailhouse religion in the hospital bed. And he was crying and he was praising God for sparing his life. And I remember him telling me, Brother Josh, I'm going to get my life in church. I'm going to straighten up. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to go down this way no more. I'm going to be there. I'm not going to miss a service. And I've heard it so much, Pete, I'll be honest with you, when I hear it now, I think, well, we'll see. Amen? You wouldn't believe how much I've been lied to in this ministry. You wouldn't believe how many people said they're going to follow Jesus after this. You wouldn't believe how many people said, if God gets me through this, I'm never going to miss a church service. You wouldn't believe how many people I've talked to and they said, I'm going to be there, Brother Josh, Sunday morning. Why, I've been lied to, I think, more than anybody in this building, just constantly. Listen, if you say it and you believe it, you'll be here, amen? And he said, I'm going to be there. I ain't seen that man since, Brenda. I don't know if he's alive. I don't know where he is. That was the last time I saw him. What does that mean? It means that man was saying it, but he really wasn't believing it. He said it, but he didn't believe it, right? That's the problem. Abraham's faith was tested. Thank God he did return. But our life and our faith will be tested too. And people say that they're born again all the time, but the question is, are they truly born again? If your faith can't be tested and and in the midst of that test you're still following Jesus, then that's a faith that cannot be trusted, can it? True, genuine, saving faith is faith that can be trusted. You will follow Jesus no matter how hard it gets. You will follow Jesus when it's difficult. Because you really believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now Abraham went to Egypt. Now I want to ask a question. What if Abraham went to Egypt and never returned back to Egypt again? Well, I would think, well, that didn't last long, did it? There when Abraham went to Canaan land, he's on fire, he's going to Canaan land, he can't wait to get there, he's excited to get there. When he gets there, oh, praise God, it's wonderful here. Yeah, when there's bread to eat. Oh, it's wonderful here. Yeah, when you don't have something else to do. Yeah, amen, it is wonderful here here when people aren't making fun of you for it. And what if he went down to Egypt, though, and he never returned? We'd be laughing at him, wouldn't we? We'd say, oh, I thought Abraham really believed the Word. I thought Abraham really believed God. You know, that happens to a lot of people we know, don't it? Well, they got saved, didn't they? They got born again. They got born again 30 years ago, but I ain't seen them in church one time, have you? They got born again and they're saved, but their life hasn't changed. They got born again and they got saved. They believe, they're trusting in Jesus, but their life is not a life that follows Jesus. Hey, when are we honestly going to allow the possibility that all those people we think are saved, when are we going to allow the possibility in our minds and in our hearts, listen to me, that maybe they're not really saved at all? Because faith that can't pass the test is faith that cannot be trusted. You know, I've talked a lot about Mama. You remember her, don't you? Naomi Jones. You know, when I talk about her, April, I think, you know why I think I can't wait to see her in glory? I can't wait to see her over there yonder, over there in glory with with Brother Vic. I can't wait to see him. Amen? Won't it be wonderful there? Amen? 
It'll be wonderful there. I have the utmost confidence that Naomi Jones is up there with George Jones in glory right now. Now, how do I have this kind of confidence? you got people like that, don't you? Any of y'all got some saints that went on to glory and you say at the funeral, you say, I tell you what, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt what a blessing it is to they lived a life that we know, that we know, that we know. We're talking about evidence, you know that? We're talking about evidence. We're saying that Naomi Jones kept following Jesus when other people didn't. We're saying that Naomi Jones, she made a profession of faith. Her, her faith then in Jesus was tested through financial hardship, through breast cancer, through sickness, through family drama, through the death of her husband, and she's still following Jesus no matter what. She's still going on. And she went on all the way, didn't she? I told you when she was yellow and dying and she was trusting in Jesus and she wanted to go to heaven, what we at the funeral home, we said, Lord help me, we said, well, I know she's in glory. Now why do we talk like that? We're saying that her faith has evidence. We're all openly admitting it, ain't we? We're saying this is somebody who said they were a Christian and this is somebody who proved they're a Christian, and we know with utmost confidence, don't we? She's in glory, amen? Now what about the other side of that example? We know a bunch of people, don't we? That say they're born again. And say they know Jesus. And say they have faith in Jesus. But the first little hardship that comes along, they never come back to following Jesus. They're like what Jesus said, the parable in Matthew 13, their seed, it fell on stony ground. And it sprung up quickly. And it endured for a while until the sun came out. Persecution, hardship, affliction, peer pressure. And dried up what had grown. No fruit whatsoever. No fruit whatsoever. The seed that fell on good ground, it what? Brought forth fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Those who have real faith will pass the test every time. Or rather, not every time. But their life will bear witness that their faith is real and genuine. Amen? How did this happen? How do we get here to the point in America where all these people say they're born again but they have no Christian fruit? How do we get to this place here in Western society that we call ourselves a Christian country but this country sells and exports godlessness wholesale all over the world? How do we get ourselves in this position? We failed to understand what true Christian faith is before our eyes. Jesus says we shall know them by the fruits that they bear. Jesus said we shall know them by the fruits that they bear. Amen? How do people get in this predicament? I was singing the other day, and I think God showed something I've never seen before. In Romans chapter 10, verse 10, there's an interesting expression about this subject. Romans chapter 10, verse 10, and here's what the Word of God has to say about being saved, saving faith. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession 
is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what's it mean? It means first, the heart believes unto righteousness. For if thou believe with all your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For who shall call, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at verse number 14. How shall they then call on him in whom they have not believed? What does that mean? It means belief to be saved. Faith comes before calling. Believing comes before praying. We got a bunch of people that prayed a sinner's prayer, but they didn't have saving faith that should precede it. We got a bunch of people who have memories about walking down an aisle, but they have no evidence in their life right now that they've really, truly been born again. Every single time their faith was tested, they failed. They have no evidence whatsoever. They never returned from Egypt. They never made it right. They never straightened up. They've never confessed their sins. They've never had a tear of remorse. They've never had a sheer ounce of regret. They've never, ever, 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 it seemed, they got baptized though. But their faith is failing the test. This is unpopular, amen? Isn't it? It's unpopular, isn't it? Because you all got family members, don't you? They say they've been born again, and every time their faith is tested, they fail. They're not following Jesus. They're not following Him in the way. I believe that we need to start changing the way we pray and leave room in our hearts for the terrible possibility that these people don't have faith in Jesus Christ. They aren't born again. They've never been saved. There is no saving faith. Their faith has been tested and they failed over and over and over again. Remember James chapter 2? It don't matter what somebody says. If there is no works with faith, that faith is dead. There's no life. I want to remind you again, because you know why it bugs me, and I think I've been, I, one of my... One of my missions is life that God gave me is let's preach this straight because I'm tired of everybody saying they're Christians and not following Jesus. That don't make sense. And it's making Jesus look bad and the church has lost its influence because we got a bunch of people on the church roll and they say they belong to Westside but they don't follow Jesus. Westside belongs to Jesus. Westside belongs to Jesus. And we got people all full of our full of our church roles, people that have been born again and saved. And after they got baptized, they went right back to partying. After they got baptized, they went right back to drinking. After they got baptized, we never saw them in the church again. Amen? After they got baptized, after they said they were saved and we baptized them, all we can go on is what they say. But what about their faith? 
That part I don't know yet. Anymore, I'm about to this point, anytime somebody says they're saved and they get baptized and I talk to them about being born again and I go over the gospel and they believe on the Lord Jesus and they get baptized and honestly, I think this. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You know I'm right because Mama proves my point. I know Mama's in glory. I know she is. How do you know that? Amen. I got evidence. I got evidence. When I went to Vermont Avenue, Mama wasn't cussing out Papa. When I went to Vermont Avenue, Papa didn't leave church and hit Mama. I didn't go over there and see Papa drinking Jim Bean after he led the church service in prayer. I didn't go over there and see uh, Mama stealing money or, or uh, doing all kinds of godlessness. When I went over there, it was like going to church. What can I say about these people? Are they perfect? No. They got a lot of evidence that they really believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? See, we think that the New Testament teaches that all we're going by is what somebody says or what church they're going to. That is not New Testament Christianity. Amen? Amen. And I know this is extremely unpopular. I know this isn't a popular opinion. I understand that people, this makes people uneasy. But I want to preach the truth no matter what people think. Amen? And God helped me to do it. We've created our own religion where all people have to do is say that they're born again, and we say all they are when the Bible clearly speaks of evidence. That reminds me, I'm about through. Some of you got to go, I know. I've been keeping tabs on it. I've been writing it down every time I find it. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible describes Christians as ye did walk, ye did walk according to the course of this world. You used to. In Titus chapter number 3, it says, We were sometimes foolish. We did serve many lusts and pleasures. We were serving many lusts and pleasures. This is a Christian. I don't want you to get confused, Hayden, about what a Christian is. This is a Christian. A Christian is somebody who used to serve many lusts and pleasures, but they don't no more. They've been washed, they've been redeemed. They've been purged. They've been, Peter said, they've been saved from the pollutions and lust of this world. They mess up sometimes, Hayden, but you know what your real Christians do? They cannot sin successfully. And when they mess up, they get their rear end back in church and they get their rear end back in the Bible and they get their body and their knees back on the ground and they say, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to live this way. It's unnatural to live that way as a Christian. You know why it is, Avery? Because they've been born again. Their life's been changed. The old person passed away. Remember what we talked about on the tailgate? The old person passes away, and the new person is made alive in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, Jace, it says, you listen to me, won't you? It says that the same power that raised Jesus up from the dead will dwell in the Christian's body, and it'll change their life. Amen? That's what being a Christian is, Jace. It don't matter what somebody says, are they following Jesus, right? Jackson, that's what it is. Somebody that follows Jesus. You got it, Nathan? Don't let people deceive you. 
They're going to say, this is what one is, or that's what one is. A Christian, listen to me, is somebody who walked past tense. Avery, you're doing that in English class, aren't you? Walked means they used to walk this way. You got it, Jacob? They used to walk this way. Now they don't. Something's different about them, Brother Jason. They walked in the lust of their flesh. Peter, chapter 4, 1 Peter says they walked in excess of wine. They don't do that no more. And the, at first, I know at first the line's more of a wiggle, but when the dude comes short of it, they go, I can't do this no more. I got a friend of mine, you still with me? I got a friend of mine, he went to a restaurant. He probably don't want me telling this story again, but it's so good I can't help it. He went to a restaurant, he, they, he didn't like the table he gave him. They just got born, he just got born again. He just got born again, and this is the testimony of a Christian's life. He just got born again. He didn't like where they said him, and he said a bad word, Nathan. He said a bad word. I know some Christians that have said some bad words, don't you? I'm glad that... Uh, that ain't a license to say bad words, by the way. I'm glad when we say bad words, we can go to him and confess our sins. We're agreeing that I don't want to live this way. You know what, my friend, he told his wife, he said, I'm never saying that again. And he hasn't. That's a Christian experience, amen? We used to talk this way, but now we don't. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, you know that? Paul says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Hey, listen, this is, this is what people are going to think. That people who do certain things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, Paul says, hey, they're going to say they're Christian, but they're really not. So how can we tell? Jesus said, we'll know them by the fruits that they bear. Now the question is not so much how can you tell what somebody else is doing, but can you tell that you're a Christian? Can you tell that you're a Christian? We shall know them by the fruits that they bear. Now, somebody's going to come along in their heart right now, and they're going to say, Brother Josh, it says, Judge not lest you be judged. Listen to me very carefully. That does not mean that Christians cannot judge. They better be able to judge. I want my kids to be able to judge. I want my children to go to high school and judge that I don't need to be in that crowd. I want them to go to high school and make a judgment, not in condemnation, but a judgment that I can't be friends with. I can't date him because he's not a Christian. Avery, I can't date him because he's not a Christian. Amen? I want him to be able to judge. But you know what judge not lest you be judged means? It means you better not judge somebody if you're doing it. That's what it means. Because the same judgment that you say will be heaped upon them. And if you're doing it every idle word and every wicked thought you're going to give an account, then you've signed your own judgment. And God will say, well, if that's what you think that sin deserves, you got it. Judge not lest you be judged by the same measure out that you meet. Here's a Christian. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 and such were some of you. Can you say that today? <laughs> if you can, praise God. Amen? Hey, I know, I know that I know I'm on target right here. I know I am. I'm convinced, Billy. This is the religion of Jesus Christ. This is it. And such were some of you. 
Galatians chapter 5. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do what? Those things. I found this new one the other day, Bryson. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9. How ye turned from idols. You used to worship idols. But now you don't. Now you don't. What if somebody says, I believe in Jesus, but they're still worshiping idols. The New Testament says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says that you turn from idols. You turn from idols. So, amen. You turned from idols. That's a Christian, somebody who's turned from idols. I was, uh, I was, I'm about through. Your faith will be tested. And if your faith passes the test... And if it's been passing the test, here's what you... Some people are so... Listen to me. They are so tore up because they don't have assurance of salvation because they can't remember exactly what happened that day. And the devil has beat them up and messed with them and said, it seemed like you'd remember that. Seemed like you'd remember what the time was when it happened. Seemed like you would know exactly what was it Sunday morning, Sunday night. And the devil will come along morning. He'll go, you don't know if it was Sunday morning, Sunday night. You know what he wants to always do? He wants to take you back to some memory, but the New Testament's trying to get you to look at your life. The New Testament's trying to get you to look and see, can you say, I was these things? I used to worship idols. I used to get drunk all the time. I used to be in uh, excess of wine. I used to live in idolatry. I used to be an adulterer. I used to be a fornicator. I used to be a blasphemer. I used to be a sexual... I used to be a, have these sexual imper, imper, perversions. I used to do all these things. But by the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. Do you still struggle? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I used to l- listen to music April that... I would never let my kids listen to. And I've sat at a red light on Broadway and somebody's got their window down and I hear that old beat and I'm like, my flesh still likes it and my flesh still craves it because Jesus ain't saved my flesh yet. But greater is He that lives in me than he that lives in the world. And the Holy Spirit comes along and says, hey, that's not what you are now, Brother Josh. That's not what you are. See the wiggle? It's not what I am. He saved me from that. Amen. There's been a bunch of people who've prayed sinners' prayers without faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was no faith in Jesus. You say, how can you say something like that? Because there's no fruit. And if there's no fruit, then there's no faith. You say, how can you say that? That is clearly what the New Testament teaches. That's how I say it. I don't have the authority to change it, neither do you, amen? Amen. And listen, when are you all and me going to stop taking the word of what Christianity is or looks like from somebody living in sin and wickedness and they're going to tell you what Christianity is and not believe what God says Christianity is? They say that they're Christians, but the Bible says, Jesus said there'll be meaning that day, say, Lord, 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 I did all this for you. And Jesus will say, I don't know who you are. How does he not know who they are? Ye workers of iniquity. 
Do you hear what the Bible's teaching? Workers of iniquity. One more. I was, as one should do, I was preparing for the sermon. And I thought about them three Hebrew children going on right now. Same stuff going on right now as going on back then. And Nebuchadnezzar, he might as well say, the world said, the world said, well, hey, listen, I'm going to build this big old statue. And it's going to be awesome. And we're all going to have a good time, Jace. It's going to be a party. We're going to have smoked barbecue. They're going to have brisket. Sean's going to bring some honey from the honey beehive. It's going to be great, and everybody's going, and the kids are going. We're going to have pickleball. We're going to, have a, we're going to play cornhole, and we're going to have cake and ice cream. It's going to be fun. That's what Nebuchadnezzar's saying. I'm going to build this big old statue, and we're going to play music, and we're going to play the best music, the music that everybody likes. But when that music starts, though, you're going to have to bow down and worship the image. You're going to have to act like everybody else, in other words. You're going to have to do what everybody else is doing. And you might think, well, I'm glad we ain't got that going on today. Do we not? Isn't it everywhere? Open your eyes. Can't you see? It's the same thing. And when that music starts, everybody bow down and worship the image. Because if you don't, you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. There were three Hebrew children there that day, wasn't they, Jace? Wasn't they, Nathan? There were three Hebrew children there that day. And when they heard the decree, I bet they were like, oh, man, this is going to get interesting. How do you know? Because I am not worshiping another god. I don't know what they're going to do, but I can't. How do, why can't you? Because I believe there's only one god, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that pot-bellied pig, Nebuchadnezzar, he ain't no god. And I, I ain't worshiping him. He's just a man. I, uh-oh, I know, this, I know trouble's coming. And here's the Christian heart. Uh-oh, I know trouble's coming. Uh-oh, I know it's going to get rough. Uh-oh, I know it's going to get interesting. Hey, brother, all you got to do is go along. I can't, I can't. Why can't you? Because I've been bought with a price, and I'm no longer my own, and I'm not what I used to be, and I'm a bond slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, if I endure unto the end, I shall be saved. And not only do I believe it, because I believe it, and it's illogical for me to go a different direction, but he lives in me, and the testimony of his spirit, it abides in me. And I got this spirit in me that says, Abba, Father. And he says, just keep going, and don't ever quit, and don't ever give up. And when everybody else is going this way, it ain't a popularity contest because it's real and he's real and he lives in his people and they can't do it they can't do it they won't do it no they won't do it they can't do it they're passing the test and some of you might bow up in your heart and say well i'm about through you might say well i get all tough and big and say well, i'll never do that i'll never turn my back on jesus we turn our backs on Christ for little things. Little pleasures. Little conveniences. Little things. They threw them in the furnace. What can we say about their faith? They don't take a genius to figure it out. Do they really believe that, Bryson? They must have believed it. They had to have. Their faith is tested. There's going to be some dark days ahead. You know that? 
There's going to be many of us going to have to decide. It really ain't a decision because if you've been born again, that decision was made the day you got saved. I'm following Jesus in the way. I'm following him come come what may. I'm following him throughout the day. I'm going to follow him. I'm following him. I'm following him. I must follow him because that's who a Christian is. I wish I could go on. Let's stand to our feet. What song, Bryson? If a man say, I know him, and walk in darkness, the truth is not in him, he is a liar. If a man say that he knows him and doesn't keep Jesus' commandments, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. If a man say he is a Christian, but he hates his brother whom he hath seen, but says he loves God and whom he has not seen, he is a liar. The truth is not in him. If he loves the world more than he loves Jesus, yea, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. A Christian does not love the world. They can't love the world because in the same chapter, 1 John chapter 2, they can't because they have the anointing of the Holy One that abides in them. They cannot turn away because of Him who abides in Him. Jesus was manifested to take away our sins. John says, if a man continueth in sin, committeth sin perpetually, habitually, it is his lifestyle, it's the way that he walks, he doesn't know him because Jesus came to take away sins. If a man or woman is living in constant sin for years and years and years and years and they say they know him, how and what are they basing this statement upon? New creature, new creation. I'm tired of Christianity being misrepresented. I'm tired of people making Jesus look bad. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. If you're a Christian this morning and you're, you're not living right, here's what you'll do to this word because they know him. They hear his word and they know him. You'll repent of it. You'll say, I'm straightening up. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm forsaking my sin. I'm laying it aside. I just got reminded. I just got reminded that I got saved and my life will bear witness to it. And if you're His child, you'll go, and you'll follow Him. If you leave here this morning, you know, we're living in an age like this. Come as you are, and I get that to a sense. But leave the, leave the way you was. I don't get that. Leave in the way you was. That don't make any sense. If you leave the way you was, and if what you was was unconverted, unsaved, unrighteous, wicked, then that's what you are. That's what you are. Repent. Repent. And believe the gospel. Let's sing together. Help us, Lord.